Welcome to What's Up with Betsy Johnson, the podcast from a longtime Oregon legislator and keen political observer discussing what is right and wrong with government, politics, and public policy. How do you feel that your ability to affect public policy has changed since you ran for governor unsuccessfully? Do you feel like you're able to do as much as you were, much less, much more? What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I'm as busy as I have ever been. Um, in fact, maybe a little busier. After the campaign was over, I made sure that um, all of the workers on the campaign ended up having a place to land. And some of them got extraordinarily uh, interesting and lucrative uh, positions. Uh, I, along the way, forgot that that I'm the only guy now out of the campaign that's not drawing a check. But uh, I'm able to pick and choose what things I want to take on. For example, ballot measure 110. And I'm doing that and spending a lot of time on it because I think it's the right thing to do. The same with being a champion for Helping Hands. I've been in and around the Helping Hands organization for 20 years. I believe in it. I believe in the people. And that's something that I just think, uh, as a good citizen of a place I love, that's an obligation, and I have the ability to to do that without remuneration. With state agencies, I'm finding that I'm cooling down a little bit. Uh, when I had the state's budget in my back pocket, and I was a very senior member of the Senate, I could call and state agencies would be incredibly responsive. Yeah, they take a little longer to get back to you now, but we've had some wins and I've worked very collaboratively with members, sitting members of the legislature to try to get state agencies to pay attention. But state agencies are are not very nimble and not very responsive. I still get the calls and they're all the same. Hi, now that you're not busy with the legislature, could you please help me with and then they give you the insoluble problem. You know, I want to change the meander of a river or something like that. I'm able in my new non-political life to, to be very blunt and just say, you can't get there from here. And that's something I cannot or will not help you with. But I am finding every single day, and I mean every single day, um, seven days a week sometimes, packed with the ability to try in however I define it, to make things better. Um, I enjoy it. I still make common cause with people that I like, who I think are creative, smart people who are willing to help. Some of them former political people, some of them business people. Um, I made a lot of acquaintances along the way campaigning for as long as I did for governor with um, like-minded people who are also willing to to try to improve Oregon's situation. I, I'm talking to you as soon as this conversation is over. I'm going to drive up to Mount Hood and be part of the program honoring Oregon's uh, state patrol. It's called the Superintendent's Salute. And it brings together all current troopers, retired troopers, their families. And we raise money philanthropically to take over the whole recreation side of um, ski ball and the kids get wristbands and they get to play on all the summer stuff, the slides and the rides and the zip lines. And then we have a huge barbecue. And it's a way to say thank you to all of the men and women of the Oregon State Patrol. Uh, it's done in memory and honor of Jerry Frank, whose uncle was the governor of Oregon, Uncle Julius, 
who started the Oregon State Patrol. And so um, out of affection and respect for Jerry, I, I am happily participatory in the superintendent's salute. It was Jerry Frank who gave me a little, I mean, he told me about it. My husband got me a political button that was uh, Julius Meyer for governor. And uh, Jerry said to me in one of the last conversations we had, if Uncle Julius could run as an independent and get elected, so can you. Well, Jerry was wrong. But in honor and memory of Jerry, I am a part of the Oregon State Patrol Foundation, and we're going to do this huge event honoring Oregon State Troopers, and I'm proud to be associated with it. Well, and, and I've got, I had a kind of a follow-up to my initial question about how you can affect public policy now that you're no longer a legislator. Um, if you want a bill passed by the Oregon legislature, tell folks how you would go about it so in case they think they want to do that, they could go ahead and do so, whatever state they might live in. Obviously, Oregon has its own you know, permutations of the legislative process, but the process, I think, is pretty much the same from state to state. So if you wanted to get a bill passed, what would you do? Well, the first thing is that I would try to have a very clear notion of what I wanted to accomplish with the bill, enough so that I could sit down and explain it to somebody. I mean, over the 20 years that I was in the legislature, people would come and they'd have, and I'd joke about it, you know, we need a bill passed. What's the bill do? Well, it brings world peace. How are you going to go about doing that? Um, so think it out very methodically. What do you want to accomplish at the end of the bill, assuming that the bill is successful and is signed into law? Then if you're not in the legislature, you need to seek out a legislator that has access to the bill drafters for their particular um, legislature. And again, I only draw on my experience in Oregon, but we have a whole bunch of attorneys that are called legislative counsel. And they take concepts and put them into bill language, uh, research where there might be conflict with existing law, research whether or not that idea has been tried previously, research all of the things they need to research to avoid conflict, and then they draft the bill into bill language. Then um, because a legislator has done that, that legislator is generally the sponsor of the bill. Then you go out and try to find like-minded people to sign on to the bill. The whole time you need to be down in, in, in our case, Salem, which is the state capital, making sure that your legislator is getting to the committee chair and is getting the bill scheduled, and then rounding up people to go testify in support of the bill, making sure logistically that they can get down to the state capital in time to testify, that they're prepared to testify. Many states have registration requirements so that if a person, a lay person is actively supporting and advocating for a bill, that they have to register as a lobbyist. And for some states, it's a, it's a time amount. So if you're down talking to legislators for more than X amount of time, you have to register. If you're being remunerated, you have to register. So you need to pay attention to what the laws are in your particular jurisdiction as far as interacting with legislators. Then you find out that the legislator that has written the bill for you has gotten it scheduled. You come down to, to the Capitol or over Zoom, however they are prescribing you testify. You testify in support of your bill. Then you um, talk to other legislators. It makes it to the floor of, let's say it's a Senate bill, the Senate. It passes in the Senate. You repeat the same process in the House. 
uh, only now you've got a draft and then you've got to be ready to have your draft amended. And so you'd probably have to go down and testify on the amendments, either pro or con. Somebody might offer an amendment that completely um, guts the, the notion of the bill. Um, but let's assume that you make it through the next house and it passes. Then you've got to make sure that the governor signs it. The three most important numbers in Oregon are 31, 16, and 1. So it has to pass by 31 votes in the House, 16 votes in the Senate, and the governor has to sign it before it becomes law. Then the little-known piece that comes after this is that the legislature has expressed their policy opinion. The implementation falls to state agencies. And that implementation comes to be as administrative rule. And frequently, the agencies get very frisky in the drafting of administrative rule. And they stretch the elastic of what the policy was, sometimes to the point where it's unrecognizable. And so you have to stay vigilant during the rule writing process to make sure that your concept doesn't get perverted by the state agencies and turned into something that was not the outcome that you envisioned or sold to legislators and the governor. So if it sounds like a long, complicated process, it is. I've had people call me and say, I want you to get, when I was in the legislature, I want you to get a bill passed that does X, Y, Z. And I walk through how many times they have to be involved. And they say, well, God, that means I gotta drive to Salem like 16 times. And my answer to them is, yeah, this isn't like calling up your legislator and ordering a pizza. Uh, there's a lot of work that goes into this. And I have seen very committed people pass legislation that I never thought was going to pass because of their dogged determination and their grit um, and discipline to just work it like hell and get it passed and signed by the governor and it's become law. And the other, other point of it is, once you come up with a concept and you you vet it and you, you testify and all this, people you never thought would come out against it do for reasons you never even contemplated. So it can be a pretty bracing wake-up call sometimes. Oh, God, yes. I used to joke, I've used the expression in this conversation with you, that I could write a bill for world peace and somebody would show up and testify against it. And it was astonishing to me who would come out of the woodwork and say, well, this is a bad idea. And I think, you know, this is a great idea, but uh, it happens. And you run into very, very powerful, well-financed lobbying forces um, that have the ear of legislators, the ear of the governor, and can work pretty hard to derail even the best of ideas. And largely the same goes with money requests, although the legislature blows hot and cold as to when they have money. But anything that you need to get through the Oregon legislature is going to take considerable effort. And as Greg Chamoff, who was the old um, legislative council head, ran legislative council, a lawyer, used to say is that the Oregon Constitution was designed to make it difficult to pass law. You wouldn't know that now looking at the proliferation of bills that make it through each legislative session. And you think there are about 4,000 that are introduced each year or each long session. Thank God all of them don't make it. 
but um, it, it's, it, it's a long, arduous process that requires commitment, grit, and an ability to tolerate disappointment. Thanks for listening to What's Up with Betsy Johnson. If you have comments or questions about this podcast, please email questions, Q-U-E-S-T-I-O-N-S, at BetsyJohnson.com.